just be going. I'm 101 years old, and I, I'm not supposed to be alive. But God let me here for a purpose. I had an experience. I have never met anyone that I had the same. We had a neighborhood barbershop. So I went over and got a haircut, and uh, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and the barber was cutting my hair, and one barber said to the other one, he said, hurry up and uh, finish up on that kid's hair, and let's go down on the railroad tracks and see if we can shoot some niggers. We opened the windows so we could hang out and look, and it, it smelled a, a terrible smell. I don't, did they burn bodies? We opened the first crate, we looked down, and there were the bodies of three black men. And Seth lived down real quick. And uh, proceeded to go over to the next crate, which is much larger, and opened it. And there was at least four bodies in that crate. They were all just piled in there. That night, just about dusk, upon Reservoir Hill, which was just south of the house, there's a great big cross burning. And all these people up there was... It was a clan, is what they were, because we could see them from our house. And they was wearing this cross, and we could hear people crying and screaming. All right, good afternoon. Good evening and good morning, guys. Welcome to the Relationship Stuff 101 podcast here on this June 5th, 2020. I got a really, really exciting podcast um, set up for you guys tonight. The title of tonight's podcast is Black Wall Street. Uh, For you guys who don't know, Black Wall Street was a, a predominantly black area there in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in the Greenwood section, where many um, people of African descent had their own businesses, their own theaters, there were doctors, lawyers, and I mean, this place was a booming, a booming metropolis at the time, in 1921, for people of African descent. Um, Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, back in uh Back in April 22nd of 1899, um, many of the freed slaves landed upon Tulsa, Oklahoma. And Tulsa, Oklahoma was opened up for free land. And a lot of the slaves who were freed went to Tulsa, Oklahoma to build their land up. They actually wanted to make Tulsa, Oklahoma an all-black state. Um, the guy, the guy who wanted to make Tulsa, Oklahoma, an all-black state, Edwin McCabe, tried to make this attempt to make it an all-black state, but of course the president at the time was not trying to hear that, and he winds up segregating the state anyway. In 1902, the state opened up and the state was filled with mostly black people. Um, Also in that area, Tulsa, Oklahoma was known to be a booming oil metropolis. So a lot of people of European descent were also in this area as well. People of African descent just built up 
Black Wall Street on the north side of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Excuse me. And they started to uh, get their businesses, get their office buildings, and get everything going there first. And then, you know, as the people of European descent was on another side of town, as the white people was on another side of town. Um, in the beginning, when Tulsa first opened up, it was probably only about 2,000 people there. But by 1920, over 100,000 people had moved into Tulsa, Oklahoma because of the oil. A lot of the people of European descent was making money off the oil. And a lot of people of African descent was building up off, uh, you know, the money that they were making and the profit that they were making being able to do these things in this free state where they were able to create and they were able to build and they were able to come together and not feel segregated and have their own land and have their own properties there in Greenwood, in the Greenwood section of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. The first business that opened up was actually on Greenwood Avenue and in uh, Archer Street. Now, I did a little searching on uh, Google Earth. I've actually checked Tulsa, Oklahoma out on Google Earth. And that business now, as I'm looking at this business now and on Google Earth, guys, uh, that business now, hold on, we're going, I'm trying to zoom down on it. I'm actually looking to see, see Tulsa as you, it still looks, it, it's, I mean, it's a city. It looks like a small city. I mean, it still looks a little, you know, like they have buildings, they have a lot of construction going on. Um, hold on, guys. I'm trying to find, uh, okay, Greenwood Avenue Archer. It's taking me over there now. I'm going to also create a video for this, guys, on YouTube if you guys want to check it out. Uh, Greenwood and Archer Street is now East Archer and North Greenwood is, is the name of the street now. For the uh, residents of Tulsa, um, now there's a... a yeah, I'm right here. I'm looking at the corner of East Archer and North Greenwood. Now, on the corner of East Archer and North Greenwood is the first store that was built as a business back during the time of uh, Black Wall Street happened. That building is still there today. Actually, on the side of the building, where did that mural go? It's not there. Okay, check this out, right, guys? Google Earth is funny. The mule, the mural that was there, I took a picture of it. You can see it there in one of my pictures. When I, when I put it on YouTube, there was a, a paper there that said, Remember Black Wall Street. This is actually the building that was the first business that the people of African descent created there. And then they created the other businesses that were burned down and destroyed during the riot, which took place on May 31st. As I back out here, 
You see, what you don't understand about Google Earth is sometimes they take these pictures. They'll take the pictures one day on on the street and then another day on another street. See, because one time the mule is there and, and, and another time you go and it's not there. But you can see it says, remembering Black Wall Street. And I believe it has the names of the people. And I took a picture of it. I put the, I will put the picture on this podcast when you see the image of that picture, remember in Black Wall Street, it was on the building that was the first building there in Black Wall Street. It was the first business that they ever had when people of African descent started to create their businesses. This was the first store. Now, this store is known as, let me get over here so I can see it. And let me know if this is still a store. If anybody from, you can actually see the Google car in the mirror. That's crazy. If anybody from Tulsa, Oklahoma, get a heart of this podcast, um, if you can find a way, reach out to me on the uh, uh, Relationship Stuff 101 YouTube page. Follow me on uh, Twitter. Follow me on Instagram, Relationship Stuff 101. Find me on Facebook, Relationship Stuff 101. And let me know if that building, let me know if that building is still there. It's the Black Wall Street Gallery. They turned it into the Black Wall Street Gallery. That's what the building is now. That building was the first store that was created there. Now I don't I don't know how that store survived. Now, um, as I, I'm, I'm going, I'm basically I'm going to ride this solo for a little bit. I was supposed to have one of the residents from Tulsa, Oklahoma, with me tonight. Uh, Mr. Casey owns his own newspaper there in Tulsa. I reached out to him. I wasn't able to get a hold of him. Um, if he calls me during this interview. We'll, you know, we'll get him back on. I'll try again to reach out to him before the interview is over so we can get some of what he says. But if I can't get a hold of him, I'm just going to ride out and give you guys as much as much uh, information as I've actually looked up on my own. Um, also, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a little bit from a YouTube video like I like I usually do that lets you guys hear. What actually took place the night? I'm going to explain what I'm what I'm um, saying and what actually took place the day before these riots occurred. And I let you guys know about that store now. Um, like I explained, was explaining in 19 1907 that Tulsa was filled with mostly blacks. I told you about the oil boom, the boom in oil, the hundred thousand residents by two. Uh, 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 1920. Then we got to Greenwood Avenue and Archer Street, which is now it, it used to be Greenwood Avenue and Archer Street. Now it's now it's known as. I'm getting back to the picture again, guys. I actually have Tulsa, Oklahoma pulled up here, right here on Google Earth, as I'm talking to you guys. It's actually known as East Archer and North Greenwood Avenue now. That's actually the name of it. If it's changed, that's why I said if somebody from Tulsa, Oklahoma can find a way to contact me or get in touch with me, let me know if that has changed. Um, it's right across the street from another business. They got other businesses here. I don't know if these are still buildings that were there, there back in the day. And it's right down the street. They, they built a hotel called, uh, I think there's, there's a casino hotel that's right down the street from there. Now, right across the street is a place called Lefties on Greenwood. It looks like they, they built the area back up pretty good. 
I'm I'm taking it that this whole strip that I'm looking at was the area where Black Wall Street was at. Because everything here looks real like built back up, like they built this area back up. Everything here looks like they built the area back up, basically. Um moving forward, right? They used to have okay, me uh I just throw like one of the movie theaters they had. I wanted to say Williams Dreamland Theaters. Um and the guy who actually they say that the situation that started that actually caused these riots, the situation started with the guy's name was Dick Rowland. Now his actual real name was James Jimmy Jones. And he actually was adopted, and his adoptive parents actually renamed him Dick Rowland. Now, Dick Rowland was a shoeshine uh, boy back in those days, and made pretty good money back in the day. Made up to, a, you know, from a dollar to five dollars. You know, a dollar to five dollars in the 1920s was pretty good money. So, what he had to do, he had to go over to the Drexel Building. And use the restroom. So when he went over to the Drexel building, when he went on to the elevator, Sarah Page was the elevator girl at the time. And allegedly, he went on to the elevator and he tripped. And when he tripped, he grabbed her arm. And when he grabbed her arm, you know, she started screaming. And one of the clerks in the store next door heard her screaming. And he ran out of the building and uh, went home. And then on May 31st, some things occurred. I'm going to let you guys listen to the YouTube video about what actually occurred there on May 20 on uh May 31st. Um I'm going to I'm going to put a link to this YouTube video in the description that way I don't don't get in trouble with nobody, but I'm going to let you guys listen to what actually took place that day. Hold on. I don't want to play the volume until I get to it. I want you guys to hear what went on during this time. I mean, it just got really crazy, guys. All right, hold on. Despite the success blacks have in creating their own community, Tulsa is still a white-dominated society. White policemen can come into All right, guys, so here we go. By a race riot on a this is what actually took place. Check it out. And it was on an upper floor of a downtown building called the Drexel Building. The elevator operator at the Drexel Building is a young white woman named Sarah Page. On the morning of May 30th, 1921, as he often did, Dick Rowland went into the Drexel building, got onto the elevator to go and use the restroom. But something happened on the elevator. I'm not exactly sure what did, but what probably happened is that as he stepped onto the elevator, he tripped and fell into Sarah Page. To this day, no one knows for certain what happened when those elevator doors closed. But what is known is that shortly after entering the elevator, Dick Rowland was seen running out, leaving behind a screaming Sarah Page. To 
Tuesday, May 31st, 1921. One day after Dick Rowland allegedly assaults Sarah Page on an elevator in downtown Tulsa, the police arrest Rowland and take him to the jail on the top floor of the courthouse. The incident becomes the talk of Tulsa. As the story went around that he had touched her, hit her, knocked her to the ground, and it escalated and became more inflammatory with each telling. Ultimately, things just steamrolled, totally out of control. And a large player in all this was the Tulsa Tribune, one of the major papers in town. The Tulsa Tribune ran a story titled, Nab Negro for Attacking Girl in Elevator. This inflammatory article strongly implies that Dick Rowland, a black man, had raped the young white elevator operator, Sarah Page. 3.15 p.m. The newspaper hits the streets of Tulsa. Over the next 17 hours, the city will be consumed by a race riot on a scale never before seen in America. By about 4 o'clock, you start to have a crowd of whites gathering in front of the courthouse, the downtown courthouse, where Dick Rowland was held. Over the next couple of hours, that crowd grows in size from 100 to 200 to 300 to 400 people. 8.20 p.m. Tulsa's Sheriff Willard McCullough orders a group of armed whites out of the courthouse. When his instructions for the crowd to disperse are ignored, McCullough takes precautions to protect Dick Rowland. He guards uh, all of the stairways leading up to the top floor of the jail. He also uh, disconnects the uh, elevator going on and posted armed guards up to where Dick Rowland was held. 9.15 p.m. False reports that the courthouse is being stormed by the white mob reach Greenwood, where the community is gathering to discuss what action they should take. African-American men in Tulsa decided that it was time to take a stand, that lynching a 19-year-old black man for uh, an alleged assault was going too far. Immediately, a group of armed African-Americans, including World War I veterans, rushed to the courthouse and offered to help defend the jail. Assured by the sheriff that Roland would be safe, the men returned to Greenwood. The white mob, however, remains. That might have been the end of the story, but it wasn't. After, Like I said, guys, I'm not going to play too much of that. I don't want the YouTube algorithm to get after me. And I'm going to copy this. I'm copying these guys' uh, page right now so I can share the page when I do the description of the podcast so that uh, I can give them their credit when their credit is due. Um, basically, what takes place after that is that once the African Americans that come there to protect to protect Dick in the in the courthouse, the sheriff lets them know, as you heard, that they're okay, that everything's okay. There's no need to worry about it. We got this. So as they're leaving out, the people of European descent—excuse me, I don't use colors, but I'm going to use colors for you guys, so it may, don't make it too confusing. The white people outside who were gathering to basically hang Dick Rowland were furiated with the fact that these guys, these black guys came in here brandishing weapons, you know, like they were going to do something, you know, like what are you niggas going to do? You know, what, what are y'all actually here for? And they became pissed and then they finally went off. So at that moment you get 
from a thousand till you get to about they say eight thousand. Let's say eight thousand people outside now. Now you got eight thousand people outside wanting this black nigga to come outside so that they can hang them. And this gets back to the people of African descent, World War veterans, and other blacks that are, have armed themselves that. He is being, you know, basically held in there, and he's basically about to be killed. They go back, and when they go back, one of the guys that's standing outside says to one of the black men, you know, what are you doing with that gun, nigga? And he said, well, I'm gonna, if I have to use it, I'm going to use it. And he said, you're not going to use it. So he grabs the gun, a gunshot go off, and then boom, the riot starts. They totally forget about Dick Rowland. He's in the building safe as they're outside. They're killing other people of African descent. They're running up in homes. They're running up in businesses. The police who were supposed to be protecting them turns on them and winds up shooting and killing a lot of the African-American people there as well. They start to help these people, you know, destroy these businesses and burn these businesses up and, and you know, just cause total chaos. This this couldn't even can't even be considered a riot, guys. It, it shouldn't even be considered a riot. This should be considered a massacre. This is definitely what it should be considered. It wasn't a riot. You you create a riot, you start as we see nowadays what's happening. You see riots, you see looters, and you see people stealing in uh, uh out of businesses and taking out of businesses. What happened here was a massacre. I mean, these guys burnt down 35 city blocks. You know, 35 city blocks were burned down during this. 800 people were injured. 300 people of African descent left dead. Only 13 whites were killed in this whole ordeal. Um, what I'm going to do, guys, I'm, I'm going to definitely try. I'm going to try to reach out to Mr. Casey again so I can see if we can get go ahead and get him online to tell us a little bit more about uh black wall street before i give any more commentary but let me see let me see if i could go ahead and get him online one more time guys so he could just give us a little bit of history and if he can't that's okay that's fine and uh we'll just ride with what i got now let's hold on That's fine, guys. We're we're gonna go, we're gonna go with what we got. Um, I'm uh, sadly, uh, I'm guessing Mr. Casey can't join us tonight. I did speak with Mr. Casey earlier today, and he was really busy. He has a lot of things going on there in Tulsa with the riots that happened in Tulsa. With you know, he says he's trying to keep it from the rioters and the looters burning down Tulsa, Oklahoma. He does, he, you know, he's in charge of everything that's going on there. Like I said, he has his own newspaper. So shout out to Mr. Casey. Um, if we can get him on a future interview to do it over, that would be great. But I mean, the story, the story, I don't really have much. I, I got to hit about, I don't want to come to the 30 minute mark, but I'm just, you know, going to talk to you guys a little bit more about what happened there. The people of African descent that were there in, on Black Wall Street, they were very successful. They had their own. They didn't have to worry about being segregated. They didn't have to worry about walking into, you know, uh, white businesses and being kicked out. They didn't have to worry about a lot. They had their own doctors. They had their own theaters. They had their own car lots. 
They had everything that was theirs, their own stores, every place that they can go, their own restaurant. They could go on their own. But the thing was that the local authorities were still people were still white. The cops were still white. The government was still white. So a, a lot of the reason why that these people of European descent were still around them was because of the local authorities and the local government was still white people. It was still ran by white people. So that that's the reason why we had we had so many. That's the reason why it was so easy for him to get into that altercation with Sarah Page. Now, allegedly, when you go online and you uh, Google Sarah Page's name, when you go and you Google Sarah Page, like when you go to Google Sarah Page, it's, you know, it lets you know who Sarah Page is. And you, you you see it says Sarah Page and it says she lied. Now, third floor of the Drexel building at East 319th Street. For some reason, he came into contact with Sarah Page, the white elevator operator. Um, let's see here. Um, we want to see why they say... Uh, Hold on for me, really, guys. I'm trying to get to that. Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, back in September of 2000, September of 1920, Sarah Page went and told the law officials that she didn't want to continue with the case. Um, Okay, the department store, okay, the Drexel building at 319 South Main Street was four stories tall. Uh, Rainbird's department store occupied the first two floors with offices and small businesses upstairs. The building was probably quiet that morning. It was Memorial Day and most downtown stores, including Rainbird's, were closed. Rain uh, damped the holiday activities, including the parade. Although Dick Roland seems to have been fairly well known. His true identity is a bit of a mystery. He is generally identified as the son of David and Alice. Okay, uh, let's get this. Da, 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 da. Okay, it says that in 1972 interview that she had um, taken in a young Jimmy while living. Okay, I don't know why this is saying. Okay, although it's okay. Here we go, guys. Although nothing is known of Sarah Page, originally described as a 17-year-old orphan working her way through business college, it's later developed that she may have been as young as 15 and comes to Tulsa from Kansas City while waiting for a divorce to be finalized. Some, including Damian Rowland, have forced it the notion that Page and Rowland were romantically involved. Were romantically involved. Uh... uh Excuse me. This probably, this possibly true. The story cannot be verified through contemporary accounts. People who knew Roland said the elevator did not stop uh, level with the third floor threshold, causing him to trip as he entered the car and fell against Page. Police later said that whatever happened, it was almost certainly not intentional. In any case, Page's cry caught the attention of Reinberg's employee, which apparently summoned police. Roland fled, but Page and the clerk. 
it is um excuse me it's not actually naming the man she said attacked her supplied enough of a description that the authorities had no difficulty locating him um she didn't say that he attacked her as we heard in that video she didn't say she was attacked things escalated so people started to put together that she must have been attacked that she must have been raped that he must have did something really terrible to her but when you do a history, and I, and I implore you guys to do your history on it, and I implore you guys to look in more into Black Wall Street because this actually needs to be brought to the forefront, especially with all the riots and the, you know the the, uh, the racial tension that's being brought to the forefront today. To just let you know that blacks have always been put in situations where uh, a person says this happens, and then three hundred people are killed. Because a female screams in an elevator. That's that's really ridiculous. You know, a, a white girl screams in an elevator and 300 people are killed. A white lady gets whistled out, whistled at in um, Mississippi and a young boy gets killed. I mean, it, it just was happening. It was just that bizarre. And that's probably why he ran out of that elevator once she screamed because he knew that a white girl screaming in an elevator with me, a black, black boy, I'm in trouble, you know. So I got to get out of here. So he flees the scene, probably not because he done it, he did anything, but because he was afraid. He knew that what's going to happen to him now, he's going to get killed. And that's what they were there. They was there to kill him. But it was said that the people of European descent, the white people in that town, were jealous of the black people because they had Black Wall Street, because they were doing so good, because they were thriving, they were educated. You know, they had so much going for them. And, and just think... They got so jealous that this one incident caused them to burn down the whole Black Wall Street, never to be built up again. So much drugs, guns, violence, and many different things have taken over Tulsa, taken over so many hoods and so many ghettos in America that it would, it would be uh, basically virtually impossible to build up another Black Wall Street. But I employ... All my, uh, my, you know, people of African descent out there, black people out there, we got to come together and we got to do better. We got to do better, y'all. We got to stick together. We can create and build our own businesses, build our own black businesses up and do better for ourselves and create another black Wall Street. We're not saying forget white people. We're not saying get those white people out of here. But when it comes to people building up businesses and people doing things for themselves, having hospitals and different things of that nature, look at Chinatown. Jersey City, where I'm from, you got Little India, you know, you got many different places. They have their own sections going on. We're not trying to segregate ourselves away from white people in other cultures. We just want to build up something that's ours and something to call our own. I'm coming up on the 30 minute uh, mark, guys. I hope that I did enough to bring this information to you guys. Remember Black Wall Street. I implore you guys to go out there, find out more about Black Wall Street, find out what happened, find out the stories about Dick Rowland, find out the stories about Sarah Page, find out the stories about, you know, about everything that happened there. 300 people killed, guys. Come on now. 800, 800 people hurt, injured. Just ridiculous. I want to thank you guys for taking the time to listen to Relationship Stuff 101's podcast here on um, this May 5th, 2020. As always, with my understanding, compared with your understanding, we can create a great understanding. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> All right. How was today? Was it okay? Was today okay? Yeah, I've been trying to 
My phone just rings all the time, but I've been trying to lay down. Oh, I, I hear I you. I need a break. Man, I hear you. Oh, wow. Yep. There's a lot of a lot of different things we got going got going on uh, nowadays, and you got to get out, get out there and you straighten things back up. These crowds, it's like they, it's like nobody wants to get out there and do things the right way. People got to go out there and try to. Have they been having any marches in Nashville? The first, Mr. Casey, the first marches that they had, they actually threw, they actually threw fire inside the courthouse. And set the courthouse on fire down there, downtown Nashville. Yesterday, they had a peaceful march. So they had two. The first one turned into a riot. So they, they set the courthouse on fire. And this this, this one that, that just went on yesterday was actually a peaceful one. So they came back to do a peaceful one. Yes. Yeah. Did, did the courthouse burn down? No, it didn't burn down, but they broke they broke the window and uh set it up on fire and then something inside exploded. Uh it's on it's on YouTube. It's, it's crazy. I'm like, why are they doing that? That that's taken away from that's taken away from the original message of what we're trying to have happen here. What we're trying to have happen is have justice for George Floyd. You don't want to cause so much destruction because the destruction takes away from the original original message and you probably know more than me you know as uh you know being a, a protest leader that these protests these protests so what can, you think about them uh i think i mean i had in uh jersey city where i'm from they had a real peaceful protest they had the police kneel with them you know um uh, I think that the protests, when they turn violent, I think they take away from the original message. Uh, I listened to a, a, um, a excerpt on a video by Martin Luther King where he said, okay, the protests are basically the people who are quiet speaking out. Basically, and then directly, he didn't say it like that, but I'm taking that. He was basically saying that the protests are, you know, the word, are, are basically the words that are unheard. I think people took it to a, a place where, where Malcolm X was saying that if white people don't get in line, that their houses don't deserve to be standing anymore, that their houses deserve to burn. So I believe that a lot of people, what they started to do was to set fire to these different businesses and these different businesses, you know, that they set on fire and they, they did this damage too just started another wave of attention that wasn't needed for the whole George Floyd movement. Now, with these businesses being set on fire, that's what brought me to what happened in your hometown back in 1921. Back in 1921, back in 1921, where the riots uh, that took place on May 30th, 31st into June 1st, the next morning, um, where, you know, we had a whole bunch of white people destroying businesses because allegedly a 19-year-old kid touched a 17-year-old white girl in the elevator. And he, and he really didn't. 
Right. He, he didn't touch her. She lied. So what? Uh, what? What? As far as you know, what actually took took place? As far as well, I think he said she had. I think she. I heard she said he had sex with her. Wow. Yeah, I said. And I, then she admitted years later that she lied. But she caused the whole community to get to be destroyed. Yes. And that's probably why in September of that year that she decided to not even go through with the case anymore. She just dropped just dropped out. And nobody heard anything from her after that. But I know, I know he uh, left town and moved to Kansas City, it said. Yeah, she lied on that man. I did some uh, some looking at. Uh, I see the the area. I was looking at the um, just while, right before you called me. I was looking at uh, three seventeen Main Street. Is that the Drexel Building that's standing right there? You said what? The Drexel Building is this still right there down down uh, downtown three seventeen Main I Street? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think it is. Oh, so that's not it. That's not the Drexel Building three seventeen. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. Because they basically everything burned. Oh yeah, it was terrible. Now. Excuse me. I mean, you probably could find everything online. You know, I don't know because I wasn't around. I mean, I wasn't even close to being born, so. I don't know. Right. I'm guessing like most of most of the, like the people there, I'm pretty sure they talk about it every once in a while. Like every time that 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 day those dates come around. And I I don't maybe it could be one survivor that's still alive. I don't know. But I know the majority of my dead. Right. Oh, okay. I know the, they got the center. I seen the center that's down. That's down there. I know the one. The one center that they turned into. Uh, it says the uh, Black Wall Street Center. Uh, it had remember Black Wall Street right there on the building. The first store that they opened up is still is still there. Was that uh on North um step block? North Greenwood Avenue and Archer. But like I say, you can find all that stuff online. Right. Because I don't. I, I mean, I don't. I don't know. I don't know a lot about it. Oh, okay. All right. How's 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 everything going as far as the uh 
as far as the protests and everything you had take care, taken care of today? Well, things are going well here. I see they still protesting in Atlanta and Los Angeles. Yes, they're still protesting in a lot of in a lot of different cities. Uh, again, Jersey, I think Jersey City has another protest that's coming up. Um, they just protest. But they don't. They don't lock up all four police. Right, all four of the police officers are locked up now. Yes, um, the one the one cop has second degree, second degree manslaughter now. Uh, second degree. Oh, murder. and then the final funeral. I understand for George Floyd is Tuesday. Oh, okay. So he has. He had the memorial service, and then he's going to have his own private funeral yesterday mm -hmm. in Minnesota. Then I heard he was having another one today in North Carolina, and the last one is Tuesday in Houston. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So you have a two guys and one that he had there in Minnesota. Then he's going to go to Houston and have a have one there because I know that's originally where he was from. Was Houston, but that's a sad way for a man to die. Yes, it is. You sit there, you you watch him. The cop, it's almost as though the cop know the cop knows what he's doing. That's a he, sad way. Yes, the cop knew what he was doing. The cop knew that the, the man is clearly saying he can't breathe. He's having trouble breathing, and then you can hear one of the officers in the background say, "You, you know." This guy, guys, this is how, you know, this This should tell you to stay away from drugs. This has nothing to do with drugs. You know, you're sitting there basically suffocating this man until he's dead. Horrible way to die. Yes. Okay. Good. I done made it back to the house. I'm gonna go in there and lay down. All right. I need I need to take me a nap. I'm I'm wore down from all these meetings and putting together this form. I'm wore down. That's worn me down. All right. You still got the newspaper. That takes a lot of work. You still got the newspaper going on, right? Of course. All right. What's the name of that newspaper again? The Express Newspaper. The Express Newspaper in Tulsa. All right. Yes, sir. But I'm, I'm my brother. I'm gonna lay it down. All right. I got I got your I got your number, so we'll be in touch. You say, yeah, you got my number. Stay in touch with me. I sure will. All right. Thank you again, Mr. Casey. Take take care. All right. All right, guys. As you as you heard, uh, that was Mr. Casey. Mr. Casey is actually from Tulsa, Oklahoma. As you heard the name of his paper, make sure you guys check that paper out there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He said he don't know much much about it. You know, he's tired though. He's wore out. You know, he had a lot. As you heard, he had a lot going on uh, with the um, the protests and the riots there in Tulsa. We talked, as you heard, we talked a little bit about what's going on. A little bit about. What happened with George Floyd? You heard a little bit about him. Um, 
Um, thanks again to Mr. Casey. You check Mr. Casey out uh, there in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Check out his newspaper. Go support him. You know, he has his own newspaper. He's a, He is of African descent. He is black. He has his own black newspaper there in Tulsa. He and I actually met while I was doing an interview with a detective for a story I have coming up called Evolution of a Killer. He and I met in uh, Nashville. He was here in Nashville, and he was wanting me to find out if Nashville had any black newspapers, which Nashville don't, and if any of the black leaders in Nashville wanted to get together and start a black newspaper or get together and create some organizations and create some uh, different things for the youth here in Nashville, that, that black youth that could get together and do uh, many different things in the neighborhoods to help the youth have more to do and have more to accomplish and have successful lives, you know, outside of their ghettos and outside of the situations in the, li- in the lives that they already are a part of. Guys, I had to, the way I had to put him on the phone call, he called me and I told you guys, if he does call me, I would put it in there. I couldn't put it in the original podcast because the original podcast had to be up to 30 minutes long. Um, as this this is going on, you know, hopefully you guys get to listen to this sec, this whole this whole podcast is going to be some some two parts. It's going to be like a two part podcast. Uh, it's probably going to be about like uh, almost close to an hour long. As I as I sit here, continue continuing to talk to you guys. Um, I was doing a little bit more reading up on on Black Wall Street, you know, and a lot of the things that took place there. Like I said, I, I definitely want you guys, I implore you guys to check out a lot of the stuff about Black Wall Street. Follow the Facebook, the, um, I got the, the Facebook page pulled up. I had their Facebook page pulled up as well. Okay, this is their Facebook page. I'm actually on the Greenwood Cultural Center. The Greenwood Cultural Center is there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Shout out to these guys. Um, the Greenwood Culture Center, I actually called these guys. That number is 918-596-1020. If you guys want to call and find out a little bit more information about the uh, Black Wall Street. These guys are open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, Monday through Monday through Thursday. It shows that they open on Monday to Thursday. I don't see that they're open on Friday, so they probably wasn't even open today. If they are open today, you know, if they were open on Fridays, they still close at 5. This is a non-profit museum. Um, their website is www.greenwoodculturecenter.com. If you guys want to check them out, they're located on 322 North Greenwood Avenue. They're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. 74120 guys definitely go check them out go find out more i'm gonna i'm gonna like the page now um well culture center let me log on to facebook as uh, itself and let me try to find them so i can like the page all right there we go I'm liking the page now. Uh, yep. 
definitely visit the visit the website. Yeah, check these guys out. I'm gonna follow them, find out what's going on, and whenever they have things going on and talking about Black Wall Street, I would definitely check it out and find out more myself. Like I said, I employ you guys to find out a lot more about Black Wall Street, guys, because Black Wall Street was the mecca of what people of African descent created for themselves back then. And what they did was they tried to set up a city that was just for people of African descent. You know, you just think about back back in the 1920s, we were, sh- we were pushed out everywhere. We were pushed out in many different places. And for these people of African descent to come together and create this city, for every person of African descent to come to and to thrive and to, to thrive in a state where they could feel free, that was something that was done great. And for it all to be destroyed, as you heard Mr. Casey say, over a lie. Now, people, now you heard me say too in the podcast that there was allegedly a romantic relationship between the two of them. And as you heard, they said that he said they did have a they did have a relationship, and no one really knows what happened inside of that that elevator. That's the thing that makes it scary. But a white girl screamed, and a town got destroyed. That that that's simple. That's simple. It happened that simple, and that's how easy it was. We just seen a simple park with uh, Amber. I forgot her last name. When she screamed to try to yell about a man of African descent who was just watching birds and said that he was, you know, trying to hurt her. She was in fear of her life as she choked up her dog. And you see, things could have easily went left. Easily went left when she said that she was in fear of her life. If there had been the 1920s, that bird watcher would have been hung and, and uh, it would have just been a sad day because that's how it happened. The women of European descent say they were in trouble. They, they pointed out a black man and that black man was hung. While I got you guys here, I want to I wanna play something else for you guys. It's a video from 1976. It's from upstate. It's in, uh, excuse me. It's from... Uh, I believe it's from Harlem. I want you to hear these kids, guys. We really got to do better, guys. It's, this stuff has been going on for way too long. We really got to do better. I want to play this for you guys. I really do. And I want you guys to, to take a look. And, uh, take, just take a listen at this, guys. What happened? 
you. Nothing happened to me but this little butt, short boy about his, my size, a little short, it picked up a rock, and he was in the front of all these tall punkies. But he, he threw the rock. He tried to hit my sister, but he almost hit me about that much away from me. Now, sure wish he had hit me with that rock. I would pick up the rock right next to me and hit him right dead in his face. They always say niggas are doing everything. We, they always say we are doing everything, right? We don't read it every time the white people come down, but we don't push them out their neighborhood and throw out and start hitting them. We don't bother the white people around our neighborhood, but when we get in a white neighborhood, they, they just push us See, out. Yeah. Everybody with a sense with nothing, you know, they with a piece of dirt, dogs. I mean, that's the way you treat an animal. I mean, God, we're human beings. You don't treat other people like that. It's just wrong. Black, why don't care? A person is a person. Skin should have no bearing on how you treat a person. That's just wrong. I hate that goddamn gut. I can't say that I hate them. I, I can't say that it's totally the kid's fault. I mean, I'm sure their parent had some bearing on the way they feel and everything else. I think it's just a system. I don't know. I can't say that I hate them because I don't hate anybody. Do you forgive them? No. 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 No put together their words were and how they spoke so articulate those were kids those were like 13 12 10 year old kids black kids from new york city and you see how they were carrying themselves how they formed sentences i know i mean excuse the little girl who you know blurted out the word honky uh other than her saying that but everybody else sounds so put together they just seemed like they just wanted to go to McDonald's and just go have fun and go watch a parade. That's all they wanted to do. And they ran into a group of people, a group of white kids who yelled at them, told them, get out of here, niggas, threw rocks at them and just belittled them all because they were black. This has been happening for years. This was 1976. I just told you about the story that happened in 1921. We just talked about something that happened just uh last week last monday with george floyd being just killed right there with a cop sitting on his neck for nine minutes guys this has to stop um we have to get to a point where everybody feels safe everybody feels comfortable everybody is treated the same when they get pulled over by the police when the police pull over a man of african descent and a man of european descent everybody should be treated the same there has to be there has to be laws set in place that make that that make sure that police treat everyone the same when they when they pulling them over. If these cops have anger issues, if they have troubles and things that they have going on the side, they have to have stronger 
ways to give them intervention so that these police officers can talk to psychiatrists or talk to psychologists who can help them and get them through the anger issues. And if they do have anger issues, they have to be sat down somewhere and sat down at a desk and have to be taken off patrol. Because you cannot be out on the streets trying to take your anger out on the first black person because you're having trouble at home with the missus or you having trouble with black people in the society. You have trouble with black people as a whole. You have to be sat down and somebody has to talk to you. And if this is something you cannot do, maybe you need to find another career field because this is getting ridiculous. We're seeing cities being destroyed. We're seeing homes being destroyed. A family is destroyed because they've lost a husband, a father, a brother, a friend. You understand? This has happened way too many times. Way too many times. Justice for Breonna Taylor, justice for George Floyd. You know, just come on. Somebody sitting in their house, sleeping, and she gets shot. You know, this happened a while ago. Little girl, I forgot the little girl's name, is not coming to me. The police raided the house, kicked the door open, and shot the little girl right there, sleeping on the couch. Like, you don't come through the door and you don't do a brush of the room before you just start shooting to air somebody out. Come on, guys. Like, really. I understand a lot of these cops, they get into these areas. I've been pulled over by the cops before. Because I was black in a black neighborhood where it was drug infested. The cop told me uh, a quick story. I'll give you a quick story. My wife and I was sitting in a sitting in a uh, SUV, as I tell y'all this. It was my mother's expedition. We just sat in the, in the expedition. Just got in here, right? So cops pull up, pull over, license, registration, and insurance. But remind you, I'm parked. I ain't going nowhere yet. So he says, yeah, we seen you pull off. Oh, don't lie. I just got in his car. Don't tell me you see me pull off. So as I'm talking to him, his lieutenant come up, and I'm trying to explain to the lieutenant that this cop is lying to me. And I see his partner over here. Have y'all ever been pulled over? You know how they hold his, holding his thumbs inside of his vest. And I say to him, you know, why, why is he trying to lie on me? The cop literally says to me, don't fucking talk to me. Who the fuck told you to talk to me? Remind you guys, I didn't curse at him. I didn't say anything bad to him. I didn't give, I, I wasn't negative towards him or anything. I looked at his lieutenant and I said, let me explain something to you. Y'all have to understand as cops that y'all are men first, that you're a man first. Your uniform is something that you put on and to present yourself as an officer. But as a man, you're going to talk to me as a man. You're not going to curse at me. You're not going to disrespect me as a man. You're going to talk to me as a man. If you want me to respect you, you're going to respect me as a man. This cop back here comes up, bangs on the top of the uh, expedition, and tells me that I pulled off. He's fucking lying. I said, and, and as you see, this one over here, I try to talk to him to explain to him what's going on. He's fucking cursing at me. I ain't got no time for this. Y'all I understand I live in a, a, a drug-infested neighborhood here in Irvington. But I go to work. I pay my bills. I come home. I go to sleep. I do many different things and mind my business. Why am I sitting here being harassed in the neighborhood? I'm not even selling drugs in because it's a drug infested area because I'm black. Come on now, guys. That's crazy. So as I'm saying that, 
the lieutenant says, yeah, I, saw, I, I apologize for his behavior. You know, he shouldn't have did that. The cop that's sitting outside the window that cursed at me says, you know, I apologize for my behavior. You know what I'm saying? I said to him, I said, no, fuck that. You don't have to apologize to me. You need to learn how to talk to people and treat people with more respect. You need to understand that you're a man. If you want people to respect you as a man, you have to respect them as a man because you're going to respect me as a man. That's that's how I am. I've been pulled over many times by cops who felt as though they had to talk to me like I was a boy. And we know where that goes. I'm not even going to go take it there. But I had to share that story with you guys. Officers, if any officer runs into this podcast, y'all have to do better. Y'all have to do better. You have to talk to somebody with respect. You need to understand. If you want men to address you as a man, you have to address them as a man. You want a woman to address you as a man, you have to address her as a woman. There has to be respect regardless of color, regardless of race, regardless of creed. I want to thank you guys for taking the time to listen to the second half. I apologize if this podcast is a little bit too long, but I promised you guys that if Mr. Casey gave me a call, I would bring his conversation here on this podcast to you guys again i want to thank you guys with my understanding combined with your understanding hopefully we can create a greater understanding this has been relationship stuff 101's podcast here on this uh friday night june 5th 2020 and once again like i said you go out there guys preach march march peacefully you know, do what y'all have to do. Don't try to bring no destruction to this movement. Don't try to bring any more drama or any more chaos to this movement. R.I.P. to George Floyd. R.I.P. to Breonna Taylor. R.I.P. to everybody that uh, has been lost during this um, this rioting. Just, just R.I.P. guys and make sure that y'all are safe out there. Police officers, let's get it together. Come on now. It's been enough of this. It's just time to end it time for this stuff to to, uh come to a close i want to thank you guys again for tuning in this has been relationship stuff one-on-one's podcast i'm your host shahir henderson here on this friday night you guys have a great weekend and a great rest of your uh summer until next time i'm gonna